Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, we're going to run down a disturbing list of terrorist attacks and mass killings in the U.S., where there are allegations that the FBI had some type of advance warning, but missed the opportunity to save lives. The topic of my cover story this Sunday on Full Measure, January 16th, is what I call the FBI's Big Misses. And by that, I mean the numerous attacks by killers, whether Islamic extremist terrorists or white supremacists, all in the U.S., where we later learned that the FBI seemed to have information that it could have used to prevent the murders. The resources I found during my research that had tried to track these incidents were not comprehensive, so I did a lot of digging, and I came up with my own list of probably the top incidents in the past decade and a half or so. And right now I'm going to go into depth with a few of them. In a way, I think it could be said that this story or this topic really begins on November 5th, 2009. That's when a U.S. Army psychiatrist named Nidal Hassan opened fire at Fort Hood, Texas. He murdered 13 people who ranged in age from as young as 19 to as old as 62, and he wounded another 42 people. It was the deadliest terrorist attack in the U.S. since 9-11 and the deadliest mass shooting on an American military base. By the way, Hassan was shot and paralyzed from the waist down uh, during this as people tried to subdue him. But really adding to the horror when pieces were put into place after the fact, the FBI had been looking at Hassan due to some chilling communications he had about suicide bombings with a top al-Qaeda terrorist. But five months before the shooting, despite these communications and the fact that the FBI was looking at Hassan, the FBI Washington field office concluded he was of no threat. Here's some information from the Washington Post on all of this. Hassan had made a presentation, this is before the attacks, titled The Quranic Worldview as it Relates to Muslims in the U.S. Military. He did that during his senior year of residency at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And he supposedly suggested that the military should allow Muslim soldiers the option of being released from duty as conscientious objectors. He said that would increase troop morale and decrease adverse events. And he explained what he considered adverse events. He said that that was a possible refusal to deploy or the possible killing of fellow soldiers. In other words, he's saying those are adverse events that might occur, but if you let Muslim soldiers have the option of being released from the military as conscientious objectors, you could avoid some of those incidents. There was testimony that prior to the attacks, Hassan had made 
what some called outlandish statements against the American military presence in Iraq and Afghanistan, Muslim nations. He supposedly said that the Muslims should stand up and fight the aggressor, referring to American soldiers, the people that he was fighting alongside. And despite a growing record of problems, he was promoted to major in May of 2009. And then in July of 2009, he was transferred to Fort Hood, Texas. Prior to that transfer, he got a poor performance evaluation from his supervisors and medical faculty, and yet his former Army boss graded his performance as outstanding. Also during this time period, there was later evidence that Hassan was trying to get out of the military himself and did not want to have to deploy overseas. He supposedly tried to hire a military attorney to maybe pay back the government and get out of the military, but none of that worked. But probably the biggest part of this controversy had to do with the communications that Nidal Hassan had or attempted to have with known terrorists or people connected to terrorists, such as Anwar al-Awlaki. In fact, the problems with Hassan were apparently so well known that later when there was a congressional hearing, in part to figure out what went wrong and how it could be avoided again, uh, there were people who testified that FBI San Diego agents as soon as the media started circulating reports of the Fort Hood shooting, started saying to each other, you know who that is, that's our boy. And as seems to happen a lot when we look at different issues, no matter how many times there's a promise that the issues are addressed, things won't happen again because new processes are put in place, the same thing seems to happen over and over again. In fact, ironically, the very same month that the FBI officially wrote off Hassan as a non-threat before he did the massacre, FBI Director Robert Mueller was publicly acknowledging that the agency needed to pivot its thinking and get better at these things. He made a statement in June of 2009 that said, it is not sufficient for us as an organization to respond to a terrorist attack after it has occurred. It is important for us as an organization to develop intelligence to anticipate a terrorist attack, developing intelligence, developing facts. That's in 2009, just before Hassan launched his attack, when he was already on the radar of at least some FBI agents. And all these years later, it sounds very much the same, with FBI officials repeatedly testifying or making remarks as recently as last summer, that they have to get better at this idea of preventing the terrorist attacks before they occur and acting upon their intelligence in a more effective way. By the way, one little follow-up. On August 28, 2014, Hassan's attorney says that Hassan, in prison, awaiting the death penalty, wrote to another terrorist, the then head of the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, and in his letter, Hassan requested to be made a citizen of the Islamic State. So it doesn't sound like there's any sort of remorse for all of the murders that he caused or any revelation that perhaps he'd done something wrong. So anyway, this incident, this terrible tragedy, leads to a lot of self-reflection and examination and congressional hearings about the failures at Fort Hood with promises that things will change and a recognition that things have to change. But less than seven months after the big congressional hearing about the Fort Hood failures, it happened again. This is another case, I think, that's important to talk about when we're on this topic of examples. 
where it appears the FBI had some information that they could have and should have acted upon, but did not effectively do so. This case surrounds the April 15th 2013 bombings at the Boston Marathon, the bombs set off by two Islamic extremist terrorist brothers. There were three people killed and hundreds of people injured. Many people lost limbs. Well, it turns out that Russian intelligence had repeatedly warned the United States about these two brothers. They were two Russians living in the U.S., and at least one time that we know of, the FBI actually questioned one of the Sinaryev brothers before these terrorist attacks. They talked to Tamerlan. They also reportedly interviewed family members of the Sinaryev brothers, who reportedly told the FBI that they feared the brothers had become radicalized Islamic extremists, maybe even leaders in an Islamic extremist movement, and that maybe they were even interested in terrorism. So first they get the heads up from Russian intelligence. On more than one occasion, they actually question family members and one of the brothers. The family members confirm there's cause for concern, but the FBI said it found no reason to monitor them. And then there they are on April 15th, 2013, setting off bombs at the Boston Marathon. Now, in fairness, to make an argument coming from the other side, law enforcement officials have rightly explained in the past that something that seems so obvious in retrospect that maybe something could have or should have been done is not necessarily actionable in advance. We are a free country. People here have constitutional rights. And police and law enforcement and the FBI cannot just go up to somebody and on a suspicion or a whim or because something doesn't seem or sound right, question somebody or search them or monitor them or arrest them. On the other hand, we do see how far the FBI will go, going so far as to break the law when they want to go after somebody, even people who haven't done anything wrong. So there are all of these inconsistencies. When I talk about that, I'm thinking about how the FBI targeted candidate and then President Trump as a supposed Russian spy based on faulty evidence that they should never have considered, um, how an FBI attorney has admitted to doctoring a document. I mean, think about this, an FBI attorney admitting to doctoring a document to improperly get a wiretap against a Trump associate to monitor him for over a year as a supposed Russian spy when it seems pretty clear they knew he wasn't but they were just watching him all of that time and using the wiretap to monitor anybody who was also in contact with that person. I've talked about this in the past. Once the FBI gets a wiretap on somebody surrounding a key figure like Donald Trump, they then have the authority under their own rules to monitor the figures around that person. So Carter Page is the Trump associate who had the wiretap against him, but the wiretap allowed the FBI to monitor all the people in contact with Carter Page and all the people in contact with the people in contact with Carter Page, and then a step further, all the people in contact with those people. So two and sometimes three people removed can be monitored the way the FBI was using this dragnet, and this was, in theory, a way they could capture the communications of Donald Trump without specifically going after a wiretap against him, which would have been certainly looked at by any court as potentially politically motivated or with at least a lot of skepticism. But I digress. The point being here that when certain people in the FBI or agents 
want to monitor or target somebody, even those who haven't done anything wrong, they find ways to do so. But in instances where it seems like they could have and should have monitored somebody, they sometimes don't. And you'll hear in my story Sunday on Full Measure, a former House Intelligence Committee official that monitors this type of thing, Pete Hoekstra, he talks about the culture inside the FBI at the management level that he thinks lends itself to the patterns that we see, why the FBI has gone so hard and strong after almost everybody they could find involved in the January 5th rioting, but not so much other riots and lootings and violent incidents that occurred for many months, but by people who are on the other end of the political spectrum. Hoekstra's own theory says that in an organization, the agents come to know which sorts of prosecutions or cases are the ones that are going to get them positive attention and which ones they're pretty much told they ought to leave alone or not spend so much time focusing on. We'll touch on a couple more of these cases after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. A few of you have asked how you can support independent journalism like you find at Full Measure and CherylAxon.com amid an increasingly managed and censored information landscape. At my website, Google Ads and Facebook have censored factual, footnoted, and cited posts, and Google demands daily that I remove dozens of pages from my website, which I won't do. These are factually accurate, cited news stories on topics that powerful interests apparently don't want you to know about. Well, now you can support off-narrative journalism by visiting the Cheryl Ackeson store at CherylAckeson.com for products that will tell the world you're an independent thinker And there are great gift ideas there for your independent thinking friends and family, too. Proceeds go to support a variety of independent journalism causes besides maintaining the website, including funding college journalism awards for independent, off-narrative student reporting. You can make a difference. We're back, and we are examining what seems to be a pattern whereby the FBI brushes paths with would-be terrorists or attackers before they commit mass killings in the U.S., and yet somehow seem to miss warning signs. A seemingly egregious example is that of the terrorist attack in Garland, Texas, in 2015. Listen to this. An undercover FBI agent was not only in communication with the Islamic extremist terrorists weeks before the attack, But the agent was also at the scene taking pictures of the terrorists seconds before the shooting began. And what makes this seemingly worse is that when the FBI director, James Comey, was asked about this before we knew the FBI agent was on the scene, he actually said that the Bureau was not aware of the perpetrators' plans to travel to Garland, Texas, or any plans to carry out an attack, which seems to fly in the face of the evidence According to news reports, this undercover FBI agent 
had been in communication using social media with Elton Simpson, one of the terrorists, in the weeks before the terrorist attack. And in one of the communications, Simpson, the terrorist, shared a link to information about a contest that was coming up called Draw Prophet Mohammed Contest, to which the FBI agent replied to the would-be terrorist, Tear up Texas. So this whole thing was over a contest that was being held to emphasize free speech in an atmosphere under which people were being attacked or targeted by Islamic Muslim extremists for creating a likeness or a picture of the Prophet Muhammad, which is banned in that religion, or I guess among some facets of the religion. So this free speech demonstration that was happening in Texas called the Draw Prophet Muhammad Contest had drawn the attention of this terrorist, Elton Simpson, who was apparently communicating with an undercover FBI agent about that contest and about that event. And when the FBI agent replied, tear up Texas, maybe in an effort to sort of bait the would-be terrorist in advance to see what he would say or do, the would-be terrorist Simpson replied, bro, you don't have to say that, no need to be direct. And he made reference to a terrorist attack over a similar issue in Paris. So then, the day of the attack in Garland, Texas, the FBI agent that we're talking about was in a car directly behind Simpson and a second suspect named Nadir Sufi near a police checkpoint. The agent was taking photographs of these terrorists right before the shooting began. And by the way, when the shooting happened, the FBI agent was said to have fled the scene, but he was stopped by a local police official. Despite these communications that we later learned about between the FBI agent and the terrorist Simpson, and despite the revelations that the FBI agent was there on the scene taking pictures during the attack, FBI Director Comey told reporters following the attack that the FBI had no reason to believe Simpson intended to attack at the event and was unaware of any plans for the terrorist to travel to Garland. By the way, Elton Simpson had already served probation for a terrorism-related crime prior to this. Let me hit a couple of more pretty quickly. Islamic extremist Mohabbat Abdulaziz on July 16, 2015, opened fire and murdered five troops at two military installations in Chattanooga, Tennessee. His father had once been on a terrorist watch list. That same year in December of 2015, an Islamic extremist who'd been communicating with targets of FBI terror investigations partnered with his wife and murdered 14 people at a Christmas party in San Bernardino, California. In 2016, on June 12th, Omar Mateen, an Islamic extremist terrorist who'd pledged allegiance to ISIS, killed 49 people and wounded 53 in a mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Orlando for a 10-month period prior to the attack the FBI had monitored Mateen, secretly recorded his conversations, and interviewed him twice, but concluding in the end, prior to the attacks, that he wasn't a threat. Then in September 2016, an Islamic extremist named Ahmad Rahimi wounded 31 people in three bomb explosions in the New York City area over a period of about three days. Now, Rahimi's father had reportedly alerted the FBI to his son's radical tendencies and interest in terrorist videos, but the FBI allegedly cleared him as not a threat. 
Here's a big one in 2017. Esteban Santiago Ruiz opened fire at a Florida airport, murdering five people. Two months earlier, Santiago had visited an FBI field office and told agents he'd been watching ISIS videos and that voices in his head were telling him to commit violence. You have to ask yourself, when a suspect actually walks into a field office of the FBI and acknowledges or admits that he's been radicalized and that voices in his head are telling him to commit violence and yet he doesn't remain on the radar, it just seems like something could be wrong. And of course, they're not all Islamic extremist terrorists. There was the white supremacist Dylan Roof, who in July of 2015 murdered nine people at a black church in Charleston, South Carolina. And his case was a little different, but it did involve the FBI because he was only able to buy the gun that he used, officials concluded, because an FBI agent fouled up the background check. So there is more. But that gives you a taste of what we're looking at in the cover story Sunday on Full Measure. And if you find this topic very interesting, you can hear extended versions of interviews from my Full Measure story on my other podcast this week, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, where I'm interviewing the former Intelligence Committee member Pete Hoekstra and also a former FBI official Thomas O'Connor. How can you watch Full Measure on Sundays? Well, as always, you can go to CherylAckison.com and click the Full Measure tab for a TV station and time list. Find a station near you. If there isn't a station near you, no problem, because this might be easier for you anyway. You can just go to FullMeasure.news and watch for free online. You can watch live there at FullMeasure.news at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. FullMeasure.news live at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And then you can watch replays anytime thereafter. We post the whole live program and all the segments after they air on TV around 11 a.m. or noon Eastern Time on Sundays. In fact, you can watch the most recent program right now at FullMeasure.news. And lastly, to make it super easy for you, you can always download our free app, STIR, S-T-I-R-R, and watch Full Measure live or on demand. Plus, there's a lot of other cool programming on STIR, entertainment programming, and also local news. I hope you'll consider leaving a good review, subscribing to these podcasts, and sharing with your friends. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to visit CherylAckison.com and the new store under the store tab at CherylAckison.com for products that will help you support independent journalism and put a smile on your face and show people where you stand as an independent thinker. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.